I'm Farah Dijanet of Farah Dijanet Whole Horsemanship in Central Massachusetts in the USA. And this is another episode of my podcast where I'll help you liberate your horsemanship. Happy Halls, peeps. It's your good friend Farah and the Ohana, four-legged Ohana. Uh, I got a dog here uh, helping out by napping. He's very helpful. He's napping by me. Uh, I guess he's just uh, in a supporting role right now. How are your holidays? We got a new year coming up. Uh, I always like this time of year. If you've heard my New Year's podcast, a time of reflection, it's a time of thinking about, you know, how the year was, you know, where were you last January, where are you now, think about that in your life, uh, with your horse, um, whatever goals you may have, uh, what, what did you, where'd you get to? doesn't matter if you got to where you wanted to go or not. It's just a good time to reflect. Maybe you got sitting someplace better and you had the left field principle. I had a lot of left field principle stuff this year. So what's the left field principle? So, you know, if you're very intentional and you're manifesting and all that good stuff. And then I always talk about the left field principle. So, you know, you're, you're kind of putting out to the universe what it is that you want to do and you know if you have a really clear idea and you're visualizing and all that stuff however you do that and you may very well be chugging along things are going you're manifesting the things you you want you're reaching your goals and then the universe goes and here's this and it's not a bad thing it's uh you know, something that you didn't see coming. Sometimes it can be something quote-unquote negative that turns out to be a positive. You know, I could go into that in my past, you know, certain things, injuries, whatever. Um, Horses injuries that actually led me to really positive places. Um, Sometimes something that's dressed up as a negative thing is actually a positive thing and it brings something new, new information into your world. Uh, if you see it that way and you use it as an educational challenge, um, it can be a positive thing, just unexpected. So, tonight's episode, perfect example. Left field principle. You all know, most of you know that I got this Andalusian stallion, Indy, this year. Um, came in May into my world. Um, that was a left field thing. I was not looking for another stallion. I was not looking for another horse. Well, no, let's be real. All horse people are always looking for another horse. Aren't we? What? What's our reason to get another horse? Oh, look, I just... Oh, here's another horse for you. Bam, here you go. So, we all know we're secretly looking for other horses. Or minis. And mini ponies, because in horse people's mind, mini ponies don't count because they don't eat a lot and they don't require a lot. So 
do mini ponies really count horse peeps if you add another mini pony to the family so um anyway yeah left field principle indy dropped into my lap uh i chose to accept him and go on this journey with him and um anyway say that all to say you know things that happened this year at ohana um yeah there was all kinds of interesting things that were unexpected that happened and you know as a person who always looks at these things as to why they came and what benefits there's always some hidden benefit if you look for it so you'll also hear me say there's no such thing as you know a random incident so tonight's episode is about consent and getting consent from horses getting consent in training participation and collaboration why am i talking about that in regards to indy well indy came to me and i did talk about him in a previous episode you know, trained, dressage, 13-year-old horse, been around the block. Um, you know, I've talked about, you know, a little bit about his his backstory, um, but mostly I've been discovering him, uh, you know, just through my Ohana Equine Human Relationship exercises, and uh, I started teaching classes with him on that in May. Um, you can catch those you missed them the zoom replays and the class replays are available on my site um, if you didn't know that already so I started what better way to start this year's class series virtual clinic series with that building relationship with a new horse how is that different than a horse that I've raised now this is important there are three ways I look at horses my relationships with horses I have horses here that I raised on Ohana from Weanlings. I have horses that I raised before I was at Ohana from Yearling, uh, Maestro and Mercury. And I have horses that I have uh, received here, a couple of rescues, actually one, two, three, four, five, five I think have been through here so far. Uh, rescues that um, um, have have uh, been here, stayed here, and or I have uh, fostered and rehomed to clients or, or some friends. Um, so there's a big difference for me between horses that I raise in my whole sort of approach, whole horsemanship approach, and then there's the ones that I raised you know, I, I had them at other places and I raised them, but they were raised in other environments. And then I have these horses that maybe spent a good half of their life, if not more, in totally different environments. And so anyway, tying that back to Indy, uh, you know, I started my journey with him this year and I wanted to go through since he's, he's my horse, he's going to be my horse, 
I wanted to do everything the way I do with my horses. Um, I work with my clients' horses the same way, but I, I understand that I'm not their person. I'm their collaborator and, you know, I'm their personal trainer. I'm their, you know, uh, yoga instructor. You know, my relationship with my clients' horses is as, as a support and, and a friendly and empathetic support, but their person is their owner. And, um, you know, those horses, I have, you know, a, a little bit different relationship with than my own horses is because I have, you know, I don't have to have the same goals around my own horses. I can have whatever goals I want with my horses. And so the um, thing about Indy was that I, I was sort of like, oh, I'll go through my system, which I tend to do with, with horses that have come to the farm that are adult horses. I'll build the relationship and then I'll sort of start working with him on the ground in hand, see I, what he knows, you know, and um, do my ground and in hand work, Liberty Fundamentals, and then we'll go to riding because he's been ridden before and that should be a fairly smooth transition with the uh, change, only change being that, you know, I'm trying to go on his consent and, and his speed and building a real relationship with him. Now, stallions are interesting because they're all different. There are some very docile stallions. There are some very study testosterone of stallions. Um, we decided, my vet and I thought that he was maybe fire. He was definitely fire, but um, maybe fire earth before when he first came, he was reading water, but um, a lot of times horses in a new environment will read water. But I have since decided that he is fire and wood, which means that he has a side to him that can be very assertive and um, definitely has his own ideas, you know, about stuff and his own agendas, which is great and fine. But uh, anyone who knows the wood type horses knows that they can be formidable. And you need to, as I always jokingly say, bring a good resume because wood horse doesn't care about what you know and is doing fine on their own and doesn't need you. So you have to prove that you're a worthy collaborator or partner. There's no, um, here's a good example of wood horses. Wood horses don't deal well with high pressure or escalation of pressure, uh, they will retaliate, they will get angry. Um, they're the horses that, uh, let's say if you use a very confrontational training method with them, will often pin their ears and charge at you, if not kick, uh, and they scare people and a lot of them have wound up at Ohana misunderstood because I go, oh, that's a wood horse. They go, oh, he's charging me, he's kicking, all of this stuff you know, uh, angry, described as angry sometimes, I said, oh, it's a wood horse, said, you can't work with them like other horses, that you gotta, you gotta work with them with a, with a different feel, and with a respect for their, their self-righteousness, their, their autonomy, and the fact that they don't really feel like they need you, and they most certainly don't need your leadership, 
So they take a humble person who has a good skill set but doesn't feel a need to dominate them, really wants to collaborate with them and respects them on equal footing. So after working with Indy for several months now, since May, I was doing my classes. I started, I did Liberty Fundamentals and then went to in-hand work. And I found that when we started adding tack, you know, he was very, um, he was not settled, he was not calm, he was not peaceful. Um, he, there was a side to him that I saw, you know, that seemed agitated. Um, you know, just a lot of things that I would hope I would, that would not be there with a, you know, a horse when I'm working with them on more technical training, you know, um, so we got through the in-hand and ground class and he was showing his wood side quite a bit and that class revolved around dealing with his wood side and how and observing it and and you know sort of asking more questions about why was it there in the in-hand work and then um you know after i was done with that class i i thought to myself wow this horse is not there's not, he's not ready to be, in my way I like to have with horses, the relationship to be for riding. If I ask him for consent to ride, I don't, it's not there, definitely. So how do I ask for that? And, you know, where do I see the derails? So for example, when I start my colts, you know, they, um, I asked to, um, get on their backs and they are allowed to say no as many times as they want and um, you know they don't have tack on often when I'm doing this they're at liberty and this is just an example of getting consent to sit on a horse and the idea is about if the horse um, is comfortable or offering for me to get on that's very important to me. I don't want anyone holding the horse. I don't want to run the horse around until they're too tired to move so I can get on them. You know, that's not how I go. It's This has to be a consensual exercise. You know, are you comfortable with me getting on you? No? Okay. Then we'll see, you know, if we can get to a more trust. Usually by the time I'm even asking the question, the horses are well comfortable with the idea of me, you know, getting on their backs and it's not that big of a deal. But most older horses, and if you followed my restarts, like I just posted a, in the last couple of years, a thoroughbred restart, um, or I've shown many um, of my rehabs video series, you know, on my um, website and some on YouTube. A restart is a horse that's basically had someone on their back. A lot of times they're off track horses or they can be even just an older, you know, horse that uh, was already being ridden. Uh, You know, I've had several of those. Um, And those horses, generally speaking, have not been asked if they wanted to be ridden. They have had tack thrust on them. They've had a person thrust on them. They've had someone hold them or they've been, you know, run around until 
they just don't want to move anymore and it's easier for them to just stand there and let someone sit on them. So this does not constitute consent if someone has to hold my horse for me to get on them because they're moving around, that is not consensual. If my horse doesn't feel comfortable standing when I come up onto a block and wants to move around, they're not giving me consent. So when I get an older horse or a horse that has been ridden before, I still want to get consent. And this goes throughout my work. I ask for consent to put halters on. I ask for consent to do anything with my horses. Can I touch them? Can I brush them? You know, can I handle their feet? You know, horses by and large in the world, you know, are like, you just need to do this thing. But, you know, treat as you would like to be treated. So, um, I like to be asked. I like to be asked if I want to participate in things. And if someone's just like, just do it, that instantly puts a sense of resistance in me. And then if someone says, Farid, do this thing or else, or I'm going to pressure you until you do it, that really makes me want to dig in, actually. So maybe I have some wood in me, too. Um, But if someone's like, hey, would you like to do this thing? promise it's gonna be fun uh if you don't like it we won't do it if you're not gonna enjoy it I wouldn't even take you to do something you would enjoy and you know there's a total tonal difference to that you know and that's how I try to work with my horses and then allow them the time and space to say no now no when your horse says no you have to ask yourself why and as long as I feel safe, and this is my rule with everything, safety is non-negotiable. If there are no involves, you know, something that's dangerous for me, that's obviously not negotiable. Um, but if a horse, you always have to ask yourself, if a horse is getting loud with their no, you have to ask yourself, how did they get there? Now, maybe it's because of past trauma, maybe it's because no one listened to their no, and so they've gotten loud now, and they have to yell, meaning they, you know, they, you know, want to kick or bite, or they escalate. Um, When a horse is that loud, it means people have not been listening to them, and they feel the need to shout. The more you listen, the more quiet they'll be about their communication. So... The goal is to not have your horse feel like they have to shout at you when they say no. Listening to the no can be the path to a deeper, more trusting relationship. You know, um, so since I'm into interested in this relationship with Indy being really um, deep and and you know powerful as I like with my horses. Our relationship on the ground is actually really good, you know, and I feel like we have a real bond forming. So after the in-hand class, I decided and I I put him back to liberty. We went back a step and I put the mounted class on hold. I actually taught it with Maestro, who was more than happy to accommodate and was amazing. So um, if you guys were in that class, uh, you witnessed uh, Maestro's talents and um, our IVAE and our 
copyright writing. And I put Indie back into Liberty and I started working with just asking for his consent in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of different things. We went back to Liberty and it was clear to me that if I wanted to get on this horse and hold him and stop and stand there, he, of course I could get him up to the block and get on him. He's been ridden before. But I did not feel congruent with this. I could tell he wasn't congruent with it. And I did not feel like it would provide me with the type of riding relationship that I wanted with him. So I decided to shelve the riding and continue working with him at Liberty and work on the consent piece that I like to have with my horses. So um, what that looks like is, well, for one thing, if you haven't seen Indy in person, he's a highly active horse. He's a high energy horse. He's got a lot of fire. So one of the first things I needed to work with him on was just simply us being in each other's space and him learning how to just be still. Kind of like a person who can't sit still. So one of the first things I started working with, in addition to just working with him on um, stallions, uh, often need help with focus, focus inflection and focusing in. So um, working with him on focusing in on me, but then the then the other side of that was when he focused in on me, he would be very um, controlling in my space. You know, he's very mouthy, all of that. So learning how to focus in and be attentive, but then not fixating on me and my you know space and um, you know coming into my space too much and um, trying to control the space, which is very common with a, a stallion. Um, so uh, there was a couple things I've been working on with him. And I thought, well, where do we start? You know, when I start with a horse, um, when we want a horse to to um, be relaxed around us and be able to be calm and steady and still, uh, if you have a horse that um, Indies might as well, I mean, his energy levels are like a, a young thoroughbred, um, just getting him to a space where he can be calm and still. So, um, a lot of what I'm doing right now is just can we be calm and still together in each other's space and then um, when he's in that space if I approach him and his his personal bubble I noticed that he doesn't even like you know necessarily you know sometimes like he likes to be brushed and he likes to be you know, physical contact, but if he thinks that the intention has shifted, is what I noticed is if the attention shifts to any action, like if I were to think about my intention or visualizing, um, you know, coming into space with writing, he moves off immediately. He just leaves. So he's very attuned to that. So that's, if you if you're visualizing that, even at liberty, if I even think to myself, you know, what does it feel like to think about riding? He leaves. So that tells me that he he doesn't want to part in this right now. And, um, 
so this has been an interesting activity I've had with him where I'm just trying to get to a point where if I just even think about writing or visualize writing that he doesn't feel like he wants to leave so one of my goals with him would be to be able to ride bridleless and bitless and um he's a very high powered horse so you know we have to trust each other a lot for that to happen and um so i'm gonna be spending this winter doing a lot of liberty work with him i will be filming uh this process you know because one liberty as i've mentioned in the past for me is a tool um it takes on a lot of different forms with each horse that I work with and in case of Indy there's specific tools I'm using to sort of build the type of relationship I want with him while he has a choice and gives me consent uh, before I put tack on him and decide to ride him. So I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this process and just sort of seeing where it goes and um, I'm in no hurry, you know, to have to sit on him. Um, I'm enjoying our relationship as it is and letting it unfold and he's getting body work and we're doing zoopharmacography and all these things he's probably never experienced. So um, he's learning that I have patience and, you know, I don't need these things from him. You know, I'm enjoying him for who he is without the writing relationship. So, I'll be continuing with that journey throughout the winter. We'll see where we land in the spring. And the greatest thing is saying it takes as long as it takes. So, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into what's, what's this journey, where is this journey going to go. The left field principle. And, um, yeah, what's happening with my horse in real time happening with your horses out there so um, if you want to have uh, a little homework after this podcast I got a couple things for you um, I want you to uh, think about any times where your horse says no in the next week or so and um, I want to see if you can uh, figure out why your horse is saying no And then, um, if you can, uh, if it's something that you can let them say no, uh, and you think it will deepen your relationship, you know, and it will build trust, see if, uh, letting your horse say no actually helps your relationship in some area. Is there an area where you're not letting your horse say no and you're pushing through the no, but if you did let them say no, it would actually improve your relationship? So there's a little a little homework for you to spot that thing. Obviously, if it's something unsafe for you or the horse, that's not negotiable. You, you are supposed to keep your, your horse and you safe. But uh, if it's anything else, see what that buys you. And also see if there's an area where you feel like you're not really getting true consent from your horse. And think about all your interactions with your horse and see if your horse is really giving you consent on certain activities. Just just think about that and 
just sometimes these conscious shifts of, you know, um, you know, where we're thinking about whether the horse really wants to do this thing, really wants to participate in this thing. I hear people say this a lot, you know, oh, my horse loves this or my horse loves that. And sometimes I'm just like, are you looking at this horse? Like, the horse doesn't like what's happening right now. But the horse is like, my horse loves this, you know. So I want you to really think about what your horse really is consenting to and what, whether they're just tolerating it or they've just learned to accept it because they have no other option. So there's a little homework for you. And uh, you could journal on that, sit with your horse, think about that. You know, these are the things that I think about a lot in the horse world. Um, the things that we like to tell ourselves because we want to believe horses like them. But, you know, in my last podcast, Give and Take, you know, I was talking about that. It's really important to really be honest with ourselves about the things we ask for and our horses do and things we, you know... Um, require them to do and the, the best we can do is to you know really listen to them and really make it enjoyable for them and really listen to what their experiences are and whether or not it's you know they want to participate uh, I believe that you can get participation even performance participation consensually as long as you present it to the horse in a, in a certain way even if you want to do competition um, but you have to stay in truth about that and congruence and truth about what horses really, really enjoy, what they really want to participate in. And, um, you know, when you function in that place, you really do get a better relationship. And the horse knows that you're thinking that way about them. You're really thinking about their well-being in the, in the relationship. So... Um, if you've been able to see some of my recent uh, Zoom classes, I talked a lot about that. Um, it's good to, you know, when I'm sitting and listening, when I'm riding, you know, this is a really important place to stay and listening to horses, listening to their communication. They're communicating all the time when we're on their backs, but, you know, we get lost in our heads, we get lost in you know, perfect riding position, our instructors telling us things, riding patterns, but you got to stay and listening to your horse also. You know, the last few classes have been a lot about staying very much in that space of listening and intentionalness and mindfulness in, in the riding. Um, you know, I've been working with, uh, you know, some people one-on-one you know, in my um, online mentoring thing and in person too. Uh, if you weren't aware that I have these these services, but yeah, if you don't have access to uh, me and you're somewhere where you would like to, you know, I am working online with people. But one of the things is, you know, helping people figure out, you know, when I watch them work with their own horses, you know, where is those looking for the consent, building the relationship, listening to the no, all that stuff. It's a lot of principles. It's not so much what you do, it's how you do it, how you deal with the no's, how you deal with 
getting consent from your horses. You know, it's these are the little things that make up my whole horsemanship thing. It's how I deal with the horse. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. You know, and that's important. You know, treat as you would like to be treated. We're always talking about that. Um, I don't know how many of you listening uh, attended the free class that I just did, where I did a little introduction to um, my IVAE and articulate writing. If you didn't do the full course that I offered, the full Zoom course, and you know, I was showing uh, Mr. Angus. Some of you may know who Angus is. He's a big pinto draft cross that uh, I had had rehabbed. You know, he had quite a traumatic history. And in the free class, uh, I particularly chose him because uh, he was a good candidate for stronger bits and all kinds of things. And I just took him back to his foundation cracks and his physical and emotional well-being and, you know, turned him into quite a nice bitless horse. So um, I wanted to show him in that class because I see on social media a lot of people saying, oh, I can't take my horse bitless, you know, uh, they're too strong, all of that stuff. And I basically picked the biggest, strongest, heaviest, you know, uh, actually horse that bolted in his history had, you know, all the things that people wouldn't want, was really heavy on the forehand, very stiff horse. And... Uh, is now a really nice billis horse. So it can be done. Um, I'll probably be posting a clip of that on um, YouTube soon when I uh, edit that out. And uh, I used my new bridle. If you haven't heard about my new IKR bridle that I have out, that's available now on the website. It's super cool and all totally new design. Um, they are available for order now. And uh, I like to think about since this is New Year's, you know, what are my goals? I just talked about what happened this year, but what's going to happen next year? One of the things I'm really interested in working with now is uh, I'm still I have been doing this but I'm really interested in working and mentoring uh, kids and young future trainers because that's where we affect real change so um, next year I will definitely be looking for uh, bringing in a bunch of uh, the next the next uh, generation ones coming up so if you know a kid who is very passionate and is, you know, even if they don't want to be a professional, but is a pretty serious young horseman, and you think they might benefit from my program, it's a very, very unique, uh, high-quality program, and, and fun, very, you know, uh, sophisticated and fun, I like to think about that, but in very horse-centric uh, model. Uh, you want to reach out to me or you got uh we do I, I can do this for adults too but i'm specifically interested in working with young young people and young future professionals at this point 
So keep that in mind. Uh, reach out to me if you know someone or are someone who is interested in that. And uh, last but not least, uh, I want to talk about uh, licorice. The herb, today's herb tip is uh, licorice. Uh, good for the liver, digestive, anti-inflammatory, uh, good hormone balancer, even anti-carcinogenic. Do you know how many plants and fruits and vegetables are good for preventing cancers? So eat up, get some licorice, get some other stuff. There's a ton of stuff. Just look it up. Um, helps with keeping cancer at bay. Um, in Chinese medicine, licorice is good for hearts, lung, and spleen. And horses really like licorice. A lot of times when they have um, ulcers, uh, stomach stuff, uh, respiratory issues, really good for that. Horses will select it and do a pharmacoxie. And it's good for people too. Great for coughs. If you have a horse that coughs or you cough, you know, allergies. So um, get yourself some licor- licorice, offer it to your horses. And if it's winter time where you are, drink some licorice tea if you got a cold or a cough going on or an upset stomach. You got a good, good job there for a licorice, licorice herbal tonic. Uh, and while you're at it, throw a dash of ginger and some cinnamon in there and make a nice tea right there. Uh, I am going to be uh, taking a little break in January. Uh, our next classes, Zoom classes that will be starting up in February. I mentioned recently that uh, if you have any Zoom classes you'd like to see, I have some ideas, but I'm always open to hearing suggestions and what you want to hear. And I'm definitely in February going to be uh, offering another course and setting up my course schedule for the next year. Some of you have reached out to me about clinics in the new year, so if you think you're going to want to host a clinic somewhere, February is a good time to reach out before the schedule, annual schedule goes out, especially if it's a far away trip and uh, requires some planning, like in another country or another state that's further out. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, bringing you more unique classes on uh, a different perspective with horses relationship-based liberty and groundwork and riding and I'll be running my camps again this year the adult camp was really fun last year and the kids camps which are super fun I usually run one in spring and summer so uh, keep that in mind when you're planning your books and your uh, schedules and uh, yeah let me know what you might like to see Uh, reach out uh, on my social media you can leave comments as always if you like what I'm putting out there you can help me out by sharing uh, sharing with your friends sharing my podcast liking leaving good reviews that helps helps us out 
helps us all out, all your peeps that you like. And um, I wish you guys uh, a great new year. And may you reach all your goals, even if they're just simple and basic things. So um, I'll talk to you in the new year. Find out more about Far Dijonet Whole Horsemanship at fdhorsemanship.com, YouTube, Far Dijonet Horsemanship on Facebook, at FD Horsemanship on Instagram, at FD Horsemanship on Twitter, and also you can join my membership site at fdhorsemanship.com where you can have access to virtual coaching, my online mentor program, and also many, many videos, plus videos for sale on cold starting and many exercises that I teach.